0: Exodus chapter twenty, verse thirteen, long, long passage. This morning, uh, Exodus chapter twenty, verse thirteen. Here we go. You shall not murder. I read that again. You shall not murder. Some of y'all thinking this is my first time here. What in the world did I get myself into? Yeah, you're gonna go along for the ride this morning. Um, so. It happened several years ago. Uh, I'm sitting in my living room, and all of a sudden I hear a knock at the door. Uh, and I go to the door. It's kind of crazy. Um, I didn't expect anybody. And my brother is standing at my front door. And I let him into my house, and he, followed by a, a cousin that I grew up with, they both walk into to my living room. And I'm kind of taken back by a bit because they live over four hours away. And my brother has this exhausted look on his face. His eyes are bloodshot red. And I ask him, what's wrong? The dreaded question. And he begins to tell me that another cousin that we all had grown up with has been murdered. And my heart drops. And I... I think about, in that moment, the memories that we created over the many years of growing up together. The sleepovers, the the bike rides. Think about all those things. And it pained my heart. Not just to lose a cousin, but it pained my heart that somebody would have the audacity to say when he needs to cope. Broke my heart it was hard to to go to the funeral and watch his mother weep. They asked me to um, perform the funeral, and I knew that there was no way that I could do it because I wouldn't make it through it. And it was a hard one. Rocked my entire family. Never found out the circumstances or who did it. Murder. Murder. When we come to this text this morning... That's exactly what this command is pointing to. We're going to see three main ideas this morning. We'll see that God values life. We'll see that God is after our hearts. And lastly, we'll see that God is a God of reconciliation or right relationships. But before we go to work, let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are a God of life, that you are for life. And so, Father, we pray that you would just be with us, Father. I pray that you would eliminate all distractions, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, all that you would speak to us this morning. Lord, I pray that you would just move me out of the way, that you would open our ears, open our eyes. Holy Spirit, we we long to, to hear a word from you that will restore us, that will change us, that will draw us closer to you. So would you do it, Holy Spirit? And we look forward to what you're up to. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been marching through uh, the Ten Commandments and over and over again what we've said is the Ten Commandments, that they, they draw us to love God more. And it is our love for God that points us to the Ten Commandments and causes us to obey. It is it is that deep love that, is, that God places in our hearts by His Spirit that compels us to obey Him. We've said that the Ten Commandments, they, they are not to be viewed as this dark cloud over our heads or this burden upon our shoulders, but the Ten Commandments are to be seen as a passageway to Jesus. Why in the world would we say that? Because the Ten Commandments, they are, they are heavy. They are laws that we cannot completely keep all the time. And they show us over and over through our failures that we need Jesus. That we are in deep need for Him. Last week, Richard worked to help us to better understand what it means to honor our, father, our fathers and our mothers. And see, the fifth commandment, it is an intentional transition within the ten commandments. The the first four commandments, they point us to sovereign God who ought to be the very nucleus of our lives. But the, 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 the next six commandments, they point us to having a relationship with one another. So, verse 4, a relationship, a vertical relationship with God. He ought to be the center of our very lives. There ought to be no other God before Him. And the next six, they point us to having right relationships with one another. It's important for us to know that when we come to the sixth commandment, in the original language of this verse, which is written in Hebrew, it's translated in two words, never murder. Never murder. The King James Version renders the Sixth Commandment this way. Thou shalt not kill. Yet the Sixth Commandment is about murder. See, there is a difference between killing and murdering. If someone comes into your home uninvited and they mean harm to your family, to your children, to your wife, or to your loved ones, is that murder if they happen to die in the process? No, that's not murder. See, one of the main ideas here is that God values life. Where do you get this from? Genesis one twenty seven is going to help us to better understand this. It says this, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Man and woman is distinct from every other created being. Why? Because they were created in the image of God. They were created in the very likeness of God. And we we ought to see this hierarchy in which God is the supreme creator and here you have man who is obviously under God and all the other created things. Man is to subdue the earth. And so we clearly see this hierarchy in Scripture. Because we were created in the image of God, the creator of the universe, the one who created something out of nothing, what does that tell us? It tells us we have deep value and worth. And let me just park right here for a minute. If you are a person who maybe you struggle with depression, or maybe you you struggle with not seeing the the proper value of yourself, the fact that you were created in the image of God, the fact that the creator of the universe, the, the heavens and the earth, marked you with His image says you have value. You are somebody. You should not look down upon yourself. God has stamped you. The eternal God has stamped you with His likeness. So maybe you've had thoughts of suicide before. You need to know this morning that the eternal God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, has marked you with His image and that tells you that you have Value. See, God is so much for life. Look at Genesis 9 6 with me. He is for life. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. Sounds like capital punishment to me. Whoever sheds this blood, the blood of man. By man shall his blood be shed. See, life is so valuable that the only repercussion for taking somebody's life with ill intent is that your life be taken. Not an animal, not not anything else, not any other created being, but another human life. That's how much life, that's how much humans have Value and worth. See, man is made in the image and the likeness of the eternal God. If life has value, we can't fully investigate the sixth commandment in our day without asking this question. What about abortion? We we, we really can't completely investigate... Whether life has value or not, we can't completely investigate the Sixth Commandment without roaming around in this question, what about abortion? Since Roe v. Wade, there has been over 56 million abortions. See, the question is not, is there a right choice? The question is not, is there a right to choose, but rather, when does life begin? I would argue that life begins at conception. Let me help you with this. Psalm 139, 13-14 says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you see that from the very beginning? God is knitting and forming in your mother's womb. He formed you. Psalm 51, 5. David says this, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. David says, even in the womb, I was a sinner. Well, how can you be a sinner in the womb if you're not a real person? Even from the very beginning, God formed and fashioned you and I. And he tells us that we were sinners from the very beginning. Every part of us had been stained with sin. Listen to this. Abortion stops a beating heart more than 3,000 times a day. Three weeks after conception, there is a heartbeat of a baby. Three weeks by week four of pregnancy, uh, of a pregnancy uh, test, my, a mom can really tell that there is a baby there. By week four, the arms, the legs, the brain, and the spinal cord is beginning to form. At week six, there is a movement and fingers are forming, and brain waves can be detected. Uh, and at week eleven, uh, the baby is more than two inches, and the baby has organs, swallows, op- they can open and close their mouth. And they can can even get the hiccups by week 11. At 12 weeks, there are real fingerprints. At 16 weeks, the baby can move eyes and the baby can feel pain for a couple weeks at this point. At week 20, the baby can hear mom's voice and recognize it. Most abortions are performed in the first 14 weeks. And yet... This little one has activities of their limbs. See, abortion breaks the heart of God. Get this, and this is not a political agenda. This is Bible. Abortion breaks the heart of God because life is worth something. Because life is valuable in the sight of God. And life is valuable in the sight of God because you and I and even that fetus was marked and stamped by the eternal God. They were marked with God's own image. And you saw the video earlier. 21 Egyptian Christians, um, they were walked onto a beach and with a man standing in behind each of them, and they were brutally murdered in cold blood. And you know, what what probably moves you, like what moves me, is that these guys have the audacity to play God. What probably moves you and me in the same way is, because... There is a complete and blatant respect for life when you can slaughter somebody in this manner. And what God is pointing us to in the sixth commandment is that life matters. Life has value. Life is worth something. And each of us have to view The sixth commandment in this same light. Secondly, we've got to see that God is after our hearts. There's two words there. What are you talking about, Chris? God is after our hearts. Look at Matthew chapter 5, 21 21 through 25 with me. Jesus says this out of his own mouth in the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said to those of old... You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, get this, this is a statement of Jesus' deity. Here Jesus is saying, you have heard that it was said in the Old Testament, but I say to you, Jesus, even in those words, you're saying, I am God. But I say to you, Everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and go, first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Jesus says, I know you know the law says never murder. But I say to you, everyone who is angry, who has anger in their hearts against another brother, you are a murderer. You're a murderer. Jesus just upped the ante in Matthew chapter 5. And, you know, some of us will look at the Ten Commandments and we'll see the Sixth Commandment that says never murder, and we feel a load off of our shoulders. At least I got one under my belt. (laughs) I'm all right with that one. I've never taken anybody's life, anybody's life, the majority of you would probably say. But here Jesus raises the ante and he says if you even harbor anger in your heart against somebody else, if you have that bitterness against another brother, you, my friend, are a murderer. That's heavy. What is Jesus doing here? Jesus is making the claim that not only that he is God, but you and I need him. We need them. Jesus says it is not just about your actions, but it is about the disposition of your heart. It's not just about what you do in front of people, but it's about your heart. God wants your heart. Because if He gets your heart, He will get everything else. He wants your heart. He's after your heart. Romans 10.10 says, For with the heart one believes and is justified. So goes your heart. So goes your belief. So goes your justification. He's after your heart. See, if you can get your heart, He'll get everything else. There's this um, new math app. That's out. And I don't know if anybody else has seen it, but I came across it online not long ago. And you, you take your smartphone, you download this app, and you can literally take a picture of, say, a problem on your homework, and it will give you the answer to that, that problem. It's, it's a math teacher's worst nightmare, right, Matt Bigger? Where are you? I mean, it's your worst nightmare. You take your phone, you snap this picture... And it will tell you what X equals. And I'm the first time I saw this. I'm just thinking to myself, where was this when I was in college? <laughs> like, I'm terrible at math. I, I, I mean, I, I just wonder where it was. Why, why couldn't this brainiac think of this while I was in school struggling every night? Um, but the reason why that's so wrong is because you may be able to get the answer. But you never know how you got there. You may be able to perform, but you never get to the heart of the matter. Are you following me? See, what God is pointing us to here in the sixth commandment is you can know how to do all the steps, you can perform, you can give the right answer, but it is not about giving the right answer. It is about the heart of the matter. Where is your heart? Is your heart in the right place? Does He have your heart? I didn't say, are you a virgin? I'm not saying, did you ever murder anybody? But does God have your heart? That's what He wants. That's what the sixth commandment is pointing us to. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, if you harbor anger there, if you're angry toward your brother, you're a murderer. You're guilty of murder. And you know why this is so heavy? I don't know one person who doesn't struggle with this. I know I do. This levels the playing field. Every one of us are guilty before a righteous and a holy God. It levels it. Doesn't matter how much money you have, how little money, how much how little money you have, or what what part of town you're from, what kind of family you came from. What the Bible is telling us here is we are all murderers. And we are in need of forgiveness. Lastly, God is after reconciliation. I love this. To say it differently, God is after reconciliation right relationships. 1 John 3, 11 and 15 through 16 is going to help us with this. It says this, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another Everyone get this, who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Do you see that? Are you harboring anger in your heart against somebody that's wronged you? We can tie it to even last week, this idea of honoring your father and your mother. And I know that there are many of us, myself included, for years that have harbored anger against our fathers and maybe even our mothers. What do you do with this? We're murderers. We're guilty before God. Well, well Chris, you don't understand. You don't. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've had to face in my life. I don't see a precursor here. And I don't want to be insensitive. God says if you harbor anger, if you've got this anger, this bitterness in your heart towards others, you are a murderer. Did you hear verse 16? The beauty in all of this, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for brothers. What does honoring the sixth commandment looks like? What does it look like? It looks like forgiveness. It looks like forgiveness. It looks like laying your life down for others. And it ain't easy. 2 Corinthians 5.17-21 through 21 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ, get this, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us The message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. You know what this tells me? Jesus loves murderers like you and me. Hallelujah. God has a heart for murderers. God has a heart for those who have harbored anger in their heart toward others. God has a heart for you. And you know what this tells me is not only that God is for you and not only is God for murderers, but God has given us this powerful message of reconciliation. He has given us this message that tells us you and I, we have not been left alone. We have one who stood in our place for our sin, who took the weight of sin on our behalf, who gave us his righteousness and took our guilt and our shame. He said yes to being murdered for murderers. He did that out of love. And we've been given this ministry of reconciliation, as the Bible says, as ambassadors. How have you heralded this message as an ambassador? Have you tucked it away for when you leave work or for when when you leave school? Have you tucked it away for, for when you're not with her or when you're not with him? God says, you are my ambassador. And if you believe this message that Jesus really did come and live a perfect life and he died a gruesome death, he was buried and he rose again on the third day. If you believe this message, Jesus says, I have given it to you to give to others over and over and over again. This message is power. This message is might. It's a message of reconciliation. Um, maybe you've seen the show, uh, Iyanla, Um Fix My Life. Maybe you've seen that show. It's on the own network, you know. Um, I- I'm pretty proficient in my own... No, I'm just joking. Uh, uh, if you've seen this show, the, the-, the basic premise of this show is that this woman, Iyanla, she, she will go to some messed up situations. And she, she essentially counsels them in public. And so uh, there was a guy on there who had 34 children, and I don't even know how many mothers there were. And she went and she talked to this guy. There was another story of a married couple. They had been married for 20 years, and the husband is telling his wife, that he made a mistake and proposing to her was a joke 20 years ago. It was all a joke. And he should have never done it. And she is going into these situations so that she can see some reconciliation happen. That these situations may be made right. That, that, that dads would love their children and that moms would love their children and their husband and wives would love one another. Her basic premise is reconciliation. And when we look here that's the exact premise that Christ had for coming. That He may create a bridge at the cross of Calvary that we would have a clear road to get to the Father and that we would take that message and give it away and give it away and give it away to others. He gave us a ministry of reconciliation. So what should your life be about as a believer in Jesus Christ? Your life ought to be about reconciliation. How do I know that I'm saved? One of the ways you know that you are saved is that if you are walking in the process of reconciliation with God and with others, that's how you know. That's the message here. Jesus came to fix what's broken. Jesus came to restore ultimate shalom. He shed His blood. He gave His very life. He was shamed. He was guilty for us on our behalf. And He said, you know what? I've did this. I've done all of this so that You may be reconciled to my Father. I did it out of love. And I've done all of this. That you may take this same message and give it away to others. Have you said yes to Him? Have you said yes to His reconciliation? Have you said yes in your heart of hearts? Is He in control of your hearts? And maybe you realize this morning, well, there there's some people that I have things against that I need to get right. In. And maybe you've realized, yes, if, if it's about anger, I, I'm, I'm a murderer and I need forgiveness. Jesus says, I am here for you with arms stretched wide. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Here's what I want to do. If you are a person who struggles with forgiveness, if you've got some unforgiveness in your heart, some bitterness, some anger towards somebody else in your heart, you don't even have to say what it is. I want to pray for you. Would you just stand where you are? Bitterness. Anger. Frustration, and you, you need God to work in those dark places. Would you just stand? And you would say, yes, God, I, I need your forgiveness. Thank you for being four murderous like me. Would you pray for me? God says... That He has given a ministry of reconciliation. That through Jesus' death, we can be reconciled to God and He offers us forgiveness even for murderers. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for these ones who are standing. Lord, we pray that You would clarify all the dark places. Lord, we pray that You would move and that You would spur them on to forgive those that they have things against. And Lord, maybe there is someone here who has had an abortion or knows someone. And Father, we pray for them that there would be real healing in their life. There'll be forgiveness in their life. Father, I just pray for everyone here that is standing that you would strengthen them, God, that you would move on their hearts to seek real reconciliation. Lord, I pray that you would challenge them to seek forgiveness for those that you have put upon their minds. Thank You, God, that You forgive murderers. You love to see murderers come home. And I pray, Father, that they would run to You with open arms. That they would seek Your face, even with the bitterness in their hearts. Move, God. Give them strength, Lord. Give them the strength to reach out to others. Help them to forgive even if they don't know how, God. We pray that you would work. That you would move. Lord, I pray that you would wipe away the tears from their faces. I pray that you would be their comfort this morning, God. That you would meet them right where they are. Lord, I pray that they would realize truth is there, but they would also realize grace is free and available. That your son died, he gave his life, he said yes to death, he was obedient to death. For them. So help God. Help in the process of forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.